Hi folks, welcome to Two Feet Apart. This is an intersectionally inclusive space where community meets storytelling. It's a space that is nurtured by vulnerability and the sharing of our stories because they are our greatest strengths and our strongest powers. With that in mind, happy listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Two Feet Apart with me, your host, Peachy Patra. Today, we have an internet creator, Rafaela Mancuso. She is a content creator speaking on allyship and breaking stigmas, um, but she'll give you a lot more details. So, Rafaela, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hello, hello. And thank you for having me and inviting me on. I really appreciate that. Uh, about myself, I'm Canadian, but on the other side of the country in Alberta. And yeah, I try to share my life authentically on the internet, mostly Instagram, talking about living with mental illness, being neurodivergent, living in a larger body. Um, and yeah, all the issues that come along with being alive and at least trying to talk about the things that people don't really want to talk about. I love it. Um obviously that's why I have this podcast uh and I think one of the really cool things is that like I tend to ask something along the lines of like is this what you thought you'd do growing up but obviously this realm wasn't really existing when we were growing up um but I'm curious what the origin story there is how did you get into it yeah great one um yeah, it wasn't something I like planned, really. It was like, I mean, we all used social media, the internet, whatever, whatever. But it wasn't until 2018, I was in university, super struggling with my mental health, like always. And I was turned away from a mental health resource at my university on campus. And I was really frustrated, not just for myself, but for all the students struggling so hard and there's no resources, there's nowhere to get the help that we need and deserve. And I didn't know what to do. And I just went to my Instagram. I just started talking about how upset I was um, and just like the injustice it felt like as students, which feels weird. Like you're just put in this institution and you're just pushed and have so much pressure, but then no one's here to help us pick up the pieces when we crumble. And yeah, I went to social media and was talking about just my struggles with anxiety and struggles with mental health in general. And people were like, oh yeah, like I actually have depression, but I've never told anyone. Or, oh, I really relate to that thing you said. And I was like, whoa, like I didn't know other people felt this way. And people are telling me that they never, yeah, like told anyone before, like this is really cool. And from there, it just kind of started off. I was like, okay, like I'm, I just really want to share about my life experiences because one, like maybe it's going to help other people who are also struggling and also think they're alone in this. And two, it's like, it also informs the people around me. Like my friends, my family had no clue what I was struggling with because I kind of just kept it all inside and just tried to handle everything myself. And it wasn't until I started posting on social media that people were like, oh, like, I didn't know you had anxiety or, you know, these different things and started talking about like body image issues and, um, you know, talking about thin privilege, or I didn't know the words at the time, but saying like, okay, I'm really trying to get my message out there, but no one's seeing it, what's happening. But then I see this like 
thin blonde white woman saying maybe the same thing I'm saying, but they're getting millions of followers and views and all these things. I'm like, why can't I just get my message heard? And then that was 2020 where I made like a quick post expressing my frustrations with that. And um, that accidentally went viral. And then, which is cool. Like I'm thankful because it allowed me to have my voice heard for kind of like the first time, mm-hmm. but it's frustrating that something massive like that has to happen in order for people from marginalized communities to actually be heard and supported. So yeah, that's how it started. I love it. That's kind of why and how like I started this podcast too. A lot of it was like stories, like the first season was a lot of like stories and personal things about myself that like I couldn't find online. Like I was 20 and in a terrible marriage and I was like nobody's talking about this so I feel like I can't leave because I feel like that's not traditional and so I wanted to be the voice for those people um that sounds very majestic but you know if one person could hear it and be like oh someone else did this like it's normal it's okay then mission accomplished um but one of the things that I found was a result is that like so I'm currently dating and guys tend to find my podcast and then we'll be on a first date and they'll be like, yeah, I heard in your podcast that you were married and this and that. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, everything. Um, and, uh, it's funny because my family sometimes don't know certain aspects of my life or certain details. And like, I, I kept a lot like specifically with the marriage, um, off the podcast or other things like that. And so, um, but then there's random details. People would be like, Patrick, I've known you for how long and I never do this. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I just didn't think to like share it with you. What did you find uh, your friend and family's responses to the things that you were sharing online and opening up about as you started to grow your accounts and open up more? Oh, that's a good one. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that one before. Uh, my family was not like super on board. Um, I come from like a big Italian family loving but also like super judgmental and critical and so I got a lot of like why are you sharing all these things or why are you posting these pictures of yourself and people don't need to know that and my parents were really concerned actually about like why would someone want to hire you they see like oh you're struggling so much on the internet why would an employer want to hire you to work for them And so I was like, okay, I guess I just have to be my own boss then, dad. And that's what I'm trying to do because, yeah, right? Yeah. So that was kind of, that was the feedback I got, which is hard when you're already doing something vulnerable and scary and then you don't have that like external support. And um, yeah, it was, it was tough. I would say the nice parts were, were when like, if I'm trying to explain an experience to of like my anxiety to like a family member or a friend, you know, where people could be like, oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. Or you're talking about this, this, this. And it's like, okay, yeah, I don't need to like repeat myself over and mm-hmm. over and over and over explaining the same thing like I have to do, you know, sometimes. It's just like, okay, you already know the situation or it helps like, especially for diet culture, my family did not understand it, was super against it like against me being against diet culture, if that makes sense. Like they were in diet culture and still are. So it's like, what do you mean fat phobia? It's like, okay, if I could at least talk about it first away from them and they could hear it once. Okay. 
And then, you know, they could see it on my page or they listened to another podcast I did. And they're like, oh yeah, I heard that thing. And that makes sense. And it's like, it's kind of, it's good and bad because it's, it's like, I'm glad that sometimes maybe they're hearing me, but it's also makes me really sad that like, why can't you hear me when I say it directly to you from my own experience? But as soon as I'm on a podcast or you hear uh, like someone else repeat my words, then you're like, oh, I get it now. And it's like, why couldn't you just believe me the first time? So yeah, yeah, that's really interesting to reflect on. It's it's kind of a mix. And even now my family's still kind of like, how's work, Rafaela? Yes. Like, yeah, and that's kind of, been hard for me because I feel like I push myself extra hard because I'm like hey I just mm-hmm. need to prove myself and you know be able to make my work sustainable so that I can be like hey look I did this and mm-hmm. none of you believed in me like I don't know it's yeah it's hard it's something I'm still like working through you know I get that and I feel like it's one of those things that you're like will I ever fully get to that threshold because say you are full-time content creator I know many of them and oftentimes they still feel like that there's still like I still need to make it I still need to prove myself Mm -hmm. um so it's definitely tough especially when a lot of the content that you're making is very like quality over quantity and things like that like the communities that you build um and I know influencers and content creators that make I know one that I used to work with, she made like six figures um, and she had 20K followers. And then I know some that have hundreds of thousands of followers and make almost nothing. Um, And so it's really, it's such, it's such a mind game and it's such a realm that's so difficult to navigate in terms of like, what is my career path? Where do I want to go with it? How do I show that I've made it when I feel like I've made it? And like, will I ever feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine like going viral probably played a big factor in that because I I don't, I think I've only had one post go viral and it wasn't really a post for me. I shared like a meme dump. um, And one of them had like a quote about kindness during the holidays and it got shared like, it wasn't even that much. This sounds ridiculous, but it got shared like 6,000 times or something. And I just noticed like the one day I was like, there are a lot of notifications happening um but I find that for like a lot of people that strive for the viral content it typically comes in like the thing you put the least attention towards and the least detail on um how do you navigate that considering going viral was such an essential part to building this community for you oh that was it's so tough it's exactly what you said it feels kind of like gambling sometimes like okay is this the one that's going to work is this the one that's going to work or you try like I remember diving so hard into Instagram like okay the hashtags the algorithm how can I get my voice heard and I was trying to also be like am I just doing this for my own ego it's like do I just want to be seen or do I like do I believe like and that was hard to separate like no actually like yeah maybe I do want maybe a part of me wants attention but I also know that I also do deeply believe in reaching more people and how can we do that and and the viral thing, yeah, I don't, that was a lot. I cried so much because it was like, especially it was such a polarizing thing. It was kind mm-hmm. of talking about like that thin privilege and 
just that exactly and just the different I mean privileges that people have to be heard and um those sorts of things and I got a lot of hate like I got from like people like living in more marginalized bodies you know I got that oh my gosh like thank you I've been thinking about that but I didn't know how to say it or I was scared to say it but then I got a lot of hate like I've never experienced that like I got over like 20,000 followers like overnight oh my was, gosh like, yeah my, my my fake viral post did not do that <laughs> no but I don't want to like um like invalidate that either like that's yeah. still massive right like this was yeah this was just a little bit crazy for me and like I had people making like YouTube videos about me like saying how horrible I am how wrong I am I'm like you know promoting obesity like all these things I had and I had tagged like these creators in my post didn't think they'd see it they were all messaging me all their fans were messaging me it was literally the worst like I just laid on my floor and like cried for like a week solid it was but it was like okay I need to really focus and I just really don't want to like dismiss people I want to have all the conversations like even like the hateful comments I wouldn't like now I'm just like block report block report Mm -hmm. block report now but back then I'm like no no like I really want to have these conversations and I want to explain why like that's fat phobic and why fatness isn't bad and why we all deserve a platform we all deserve to have our voices heard and why that's not currently happening and I don't know it was just it was a lot. It was a lot. And so you're right. It's like, now I'm like, okay, I'm still not that big top influencer. Like, okay, I can see how far I've come, but I am, yeah, like I'm definitely not financially like stable. Like I'll say like, I made $12,000 last year and it's the most money I've ever made in my entire life. Like I, and I'm like, I was proud of that. Then I see people who are like, yeah, like they make half a million. I'm like, holy shit mm-hmm. it's like this isn't really a money like I'd love this work to be sustainable for me so we can keep going right like how cool is it to be able to do the thing you love and also be able to like pay your bills so I'm trying to navigate that like staying true to your morals and values and producing that content that aligns with that mm-hmm. and being like okay how do I make this last is it like yeah another viral post that's going to like tank my mental health. And that's something I've had to hold back on too. Is like right now, I haven't talked about thin privilege in a long time because when I do, it's overwhelming. It's so, I get so many attacks and from both sides. And, and for me, I'm like, okay, I need to maybe protect myself. I've just like backed up and like kind of, I don't know, like to protect myself, but I'm mm-hmm. also like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, is it worth it? Like sometimes I want to be able to speak up and have these hard conversations, but like at what cost and Mm -hmm. how do you balance that? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. And that's the exact question that I don't think anyone has had like a perfect answer to. How do you balance that? And I think that's in any type of like advocacy work um, or activism or anything like that. And I'm going to draw a parallel here. And I know from even personal experience, like it's very different things. But when I think of, you know, why people might interpret thin privilege so dramatically and like draw such hate from it and things like that, I just reflect on my own experiences with the terms white privilege. I'm a black woman. Um, I was in a relationship with a white man who I cared for very deeply. And he did not believe in white privilege. And it took 
<laughs> that face says everything. Yeah. Um, and that was the end of our relationship and which is a whole different story, but the issue there was because I educate on this professionally, personally, all of that. I've had to put a lot of boundaries in my personal social media because I tend to share a lot of posts and things like that, that raise awareness for many different things, even things not applicable to me, like anti-Semitism. Um, but then people try to like have those, those comments in the debates. And I've had to realize like, it's not my responsibility to educate you. Um, but like here, are the like my thing is like, here are the resources to do so yourself. And so in his situation, he interpreted it as the word privilege, meaning that he had an easy life, that things were all given to him and that he was racist because the word white was involved and things like that. And so when I look at how polarizing um, things can be with thin privilege as well, I'm wondering if maybe that's the interpretation and this just came to me as you were speaking. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe that's the interpretation people are taking. Like, do we're not saying that just because you have a thinner body that you have an easy life. Um, I think it's the word privilege that people get really stuck on and they're like, absolutely not. That's not the case. Um, but would you be open to sharing a little bit about truly what, what is thin privilege? Yeah. And I think that was a perfect way of kind of guiding us into that because I've had those same thoughts or even like myself as a white woman, um, anytime I felt, um, oh, I don't know, any like sort of resistance or any like um, that ick feeling inside of me when I'm, let's say, like learning about white privilege or things, it's like, oh, why am I feeling that ick? And then sometimes when I think about, I try to think it through, I'm like, okay, like when I'm talking about like thin privilege and those, you know, thin people have that ick feeling, that discomfort that you need to kind of like work through yourself to un better understand and do the work to do better. It's like, oh, but it's not, like, I don't hate thin people, and it's never about that, it's, like, yeah, so I guess I could start from the top of, like, thin privilege being, like, you don't have to worry about the things that fat people have to worry about, or you don't mm -hmm. face the same, like, discrimination that people in larger bodies have to deal with, right, mm -hmm. um, which I think a lot of people in different marginalized groups can like relate to that and but a big thing I think when it comes to thin privilege is because especially like women or people who have been socialized as women have been told that like their body matters more than like anything else right mm -hmm. the media advertising marketing just the diet industry in general is so fixated on women's bodies that we've all kind of been we've all like drank that kool-aid Mm -hmm. that like our bodies aren't good enough so even if someone is thin or they wear straight size clothing being like you know a extra extra small to like a size 12 14 it's kind of straight sized ish um like you can walk into any store and not worry about if they carry your size or not even mm -hmm. those people have body image issues and i 100 believe that 100 percent um, body dysmorphia is so real like the idea that like you don't actually know what your body looks like or you truly believe that your body is larger or different in a negative way than what it actually is in real life and so those things are real eating disorders are real 
And talking about thin privilege and fat phobia does not negate those feelings. Mm. It does not dismiss those feelings. It's saying, yes, you were told and taught to, to hate your body and that your body is not good enough and that your your body is too fat for something. Mm-hmm. And and it's like holding both pieces the together. And I want, right? Exactly. It's not like, oh, but these people have it worse. It's saying, and these people next to you who cannot find clothing, they have that same, they were also taught to hate themselves and diet culture and that they're too fat, all of that too. And they do not have access to clothing. And they go to the doctor for a cold like I have, and they're going to be told, ah, maybe you should just lose weight instead. Mm. It's all those different things. It's on the internet. When I, if I say something controversial, I get the comments saying like, oh, well, you should probably like go eat a salad or go to the gym. And when you don't know my life history at mm-hmm. all, and it's like, I don't want to invalidate anyone's experiences with their bodies I think that's a big thing that happened is people immediately felt that pushback right they felt that discomfort of like whoa how you you're saying this thing and that means that my feelings aren't real and you are wrong and you're Mm. horrible how could you say that but when it's like no 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 like I it's not about that it's about holding space for both and at the same time knowing that both are really important But if we really focus on the most marginalized peoples of a community, we're going to uplift everyone altogether. Like if we can dismantle fat phobia and anti-fatness diet culture, like that helps like fat people and people living in larger bodies to have a better quality of life. But guess what? The like residual of that is it's also going to help you not hate your body as much and not feel so restricted by diet culture. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying, oh, like you don't matter. We just need to f- focus on the fat people. It's like, no, no, we can do both. You can mm-hmm. help yourself by helping others in a more marginalized position than you, right? Yes. And if I knew how to like snap properly, I would have <laughs> been doing it that whole time because I think just that concept of like, if you lift up this marginalized community, it, it just brings us all up. It elevates everybody. It's not exclusive to just fat bodies or just black people or just indigenous people and things like that. Like it's really a collective and like, that's the only way we're going to do it. That's the only way we can start to like dismantle this. Um, and so I think like, not, I think diet culture is really like the leading uh I don't even want to say suspect why is my brain not working perpetrator you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um it's it's the leading cause to blame here what are some things about diet culture that you really focus on like sharing about online and talking about because um a lot of those posts and content that you put out are things that like really resonate with me um And so I'd love for our listeners to hear them as well. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, there's so many directions this could go in. Well, okay, along the lines of like thin privilege, maybe I can give an example of like social media in that example. Um, Let's say like a thin white, like westernized beauty standards influencer post a picture of their cellulite. And we're like, yeah, 
hooray, anti-diet culture. But it's like, okay, I'm really happy that you can love your cellulite and like normalize it. And it's like, that's really awesome. And can you also acknowledge the bigger picture about why we demonize cellulite, about why cellulite is linked to the idea of fatness and like the bigger issue here because I feel like that's where we get stuck on social media and we praise these creators and that's a hard part too so I'm like they're doing great they are normalizing stretch marks and cellulite and tummy rolls and those are things we have been taught so deeply to hate about ourselves and other people but if we just stop there then we're causing more harm I don't say more, but we're still causing harm to people who align with fatness or who are viewed as fat in society. So for like social media, it's like, okay, can you do both? Can you talk about maybe your insecurities with your cellulite and talk about where those insecurities come from and talk about how you have cellulite and you're still a size six and you have that thin privilege and you want to, you know, pass the mic to someone who's living in a more marginalized body so you can give them their, um, they can talk about like, yeah, their experiences and, and diet culture is so tough because as I said, we've all, we've all given in to it. That's what our whole society is, is diet culture that you need to have like a snatched waist and you need to have kind of, and the, you know, beauty standards are always changing. And like the Westernized standards was like, okay, it was like the Kim Kardashian hourglass, make sure, you know, big boobs, big butt, which, I mean, we also know is like ugh, stolen from black women and like white women trying to like steal from black women. And then, ugh. and I think we know, I don't know if I've touched on it, that like anti-fatness is also tied to like anti-blackness and like, right, being able to get into those issues. Oh, I just, I get so frustrated when ugh, I guess we touch on it on like such a superficial level of it's just learning to love yourself. Mm-hmm. instead of like what about like you can't self-love yourself out of discrimination or oppression or you can't love yourself into a better quality of life um so those things feel really frustrating to me but I'm trying to like for me it's something I need to step back and kind of work on is okay just because someone's not being deep enough or they're not getting to the root of the problem doesn't mean they're actually like harming you it just and they're still helping people right Mm -hmm. like the thin white woman talking about her cellulite like that's still gonna help other thin white women who have cellulite Mm -hmm. but that's where it stops it's like okay we don't want to just uplift thin white women but yeah so if we can talk about diet culture in the different ways it shows up in our lives in the different you know ways that we face tune our bodies on the internet and pass that off as normal or you know the flat tummy tees and we pretend like this is just normal stuff and we're just not good enough or we celebrate our friends for their weight loss when we have no clue what's going on in their lives and we don't know if the weight loss I mean it has nothing to do with who they are as a person right mm-hmm. sorry I rambled in like a hundred different directions you can steer me that's back okay. that's okay that's okay <laughs> Uh, I think even like your last point, especially was such an important one that like, sometimes you compliment people on their weight loss and you have no idea. 
in my experience, and I think I've even shared this before, um, when I was pregnant, I was very sick, um, to the point that like I was induced a month early because they weren't sure he would make it. And they definitely didn't think I would be okay at the end. Um, and I lost so, so much weight, but also I had shame. I hit my pregnancy. I didn't post about it until like the week before I was being induced, aside from like Facebook friends knew when I was like seven months onwards. Um, but anyone before then didn't, because I was like, I'm a single black mom and I'm younger and I don't want to hear about it. Um, but I had so many people that would see the headshots of me and whatever I would post to like hide my belly. Um, and be like, oh my God, you look so good. Have you lost weight? Like what, what's your whatever? And I'm like, you have no idea how terrible that is to ask people. Um, and I have friends that have been chronically ill and lost a bunch of weight. I mean, if we look at even celebrities, um, and Chadwick from Black Panther and everything like that, you know, people make fun of how much weight he lost without knowing that there was such like terminal illness and, and things behind the scenes there. Um, but there is like also the way of approaching diet culture in a way that makes it kind of relatable, but in a funny way. And I think one of the ways that you did this really well is when you did like the Weight Watchers tweets um, (laughs) and things like that. So I'm not sure if you like remember any of them or any of like those sentiments even um, (laughs) that, uh, that you could share. Yeah, from when like Elon Musk is like uh, blowing up Twitter and then people paid $8 to get a verified account to impersonate brands. That was the highlight of the internet for me. Really, um, yeah. I didn't want to pay Elon Musk $8. So I just like did it like a fake way. It's like photoshopped tweets instead. Um, and I was worried. I didn't put my name on them because I didn't want Weight Watchers to sue me and they still could. I don't have anything so they could take it if they try. Uh, <laughs> but I said like as Weight Watchers, like, we would like to apologize for like all the eating disorders we caused. And um, it's pretty fucked up that your mom put you on our program when you were 12. And I don't even know what else I said, but that, that was really interesting. Cause I was just like, I don't know. I didn't like plan it. I was just like, yeah, one of those things I'm like, hat, I think this is Sassy, hilarious. Yeah. Right. And then people were like, whoa, how did you know I was 12 when my mom put me on? Like, how yeah. did you know? Or like, actually I was 11, actually I was 10. That was hard actually to read those comments coming in. I would, I even like told my like dietitian, I was like, people kind of like trauma dumped on me, which I'm like, I really want, like, I want that to be a safe space for people to like express themselves. But I had to like, be really careful to not dive into it too, because it's like, it's, it's hard on me as well to be like, I was also the kid. Yeah. At 12, whatever. And my mom put me on it. And um, so it's, it's really, really sad that so many people resonated with that and like the damage that was done, but, but it's beautiful at least now that we can come together and be like, wow, that was fucked up. How do we not do that to our own kids now? Absolutely. It's all about when you know better, you do better. Um, but one of the things I really appreciated from that, which I hope that was like a great example for listeners is that like you can do the advocacy work and allyship and stuff like that. And it always doesn't, it doesn't always have to be like these heavy, deep conversations. Sometimes it can be like a meme or a photoshopped tweet that like starts those conversations. But then I think the issue is that you also touched on is that people, um, trauma dump on influencers and creators and things like that. And I know that like, 
that gets heavy, even if it's just like your friends and family. And so like with people that, you know, personally, it's easy to say like, hi, do you have the capacity for me to vent? Um, or, you know, if it's someone that you're really close with and you know that, you know, you can have those conversations openly. Like I always want to say like, ask for consent, but I recognize like in some relationships that's, that doesn't always like align, um, verbally anyway, I, I went to the weird path there, but, um, but I think the thing is that the internet becomes such a place of community and it becomes such a place of connection. Then people automatically feel like, oh, I'm going to offload like my life story and things that are relevant. And I think that that's really powerful because you are sharing that vulnerability and like you might be the first and only person that they've told that to you. Um, but in the same sense, like how do you go about protect protecting your your space and your mental health um, when you're put in these positions of being everyone's new therapist? Mm-hmm. That is a really hard one because you're right. You want people to feel safe. And I'm so happy that people do feel comfortable enough with me to talk or, you know, say what's going on or admit things that they've never admitted to someone else, not like murder, but like, oh, I have an eating disorder. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think anyone's confessed a murder to me, but that'd be cool. Um, what would you do? Would you report it? Like I'd be like, I feel like I'd be really invested. I feel like I'd be like, oh my God, what is happening? I would talk to Bright about it. I'd be like, Bright, what do we do? Yeah, I'd be I'd be in on it. Like, I um, need the just so you know, if you kill someone, hit me up. Oh, that's so weird. Please don't hit me up. Uh, <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> um... Oh gosh, I'm just thinking like if I well, when people trauma I, dump on you, yes. right, about their murders, but when they murder people, um, it's hard. It's so hard to be able to like, okay, how do you hold compassion mm-hmm. for someone else while also holding compassion for yourself and trying to be protective of like your own mental health, try to set up boundaries, and it's hard. And sometimes it makes me feel so like disingenuine if I like if I see a big message and I can kind of scan it and I can see it just seems super triggering I'm like I'll just kind of scan it and like give like a response like oh like I'm really sorry to hear that or thank you for opening up to me but it's like okay how can I be there for them without yeah hurting myself in the process because when you have whether it's hundreds of people messaging you or commenting it's like oof, like I'm not a trained professional and I'm I am doing this in my free time and I'd love to be here as your friend but I can't be here for hundreds of people's like I'll be a friend for hundreds of people at a time without it doing any damage to yourself. I mean, maybe some people could, but I'm very sensitive and like empathetic. So for me, I like feel other people's emotions. So if I'm doing that, it can definitely like weigh me down and I feel so heavy. And so for me, it's just been setting boundaries for myself on whether like how many I can read at a time or how deeply I can read into the messages but yeah, don't stop messaging people. Just maybe, yeah, if you can, always be like, hey, do you have a second? Can I vent? Or hey, I'm going to vent. Like, feel free not to read it or something, you know, or trigger yeah. warnings. It's always cool. Yeah, I always love when people say like, and they don't really say it when they vent, um, which is okay, because I also don't want people to feel like it's a burden or a, an extra thing. But um, when people say like, you don't have to reply, like if mm. something happens and like, a black woman's shot or, you know, it's something that's like racially sensitive and things like that. And people will be like, hi, just 
like wanted to say like I'm thinking of you you don't have to reply and I'm like thank you that's the most courteous because the the last thing I want to do is come on and, and be like yeah no I'm okay but like thanks so like I don't need to turn and comfort you um, yes yeah so giving people like that grace and like sometimes we're busy and to to sit there and reply um to everyone isn't it's realistically it's not realistic yeah, it's more labor for you like I mean, it could be well intended but that like actual result of that is yeah more emotional labor on your part mm-hmm. um so I know that we're coming close to our time what is there <laughs> is there anything that uh you're currently working on or want to share awareness for oh my goodness I mean mm. That's such a good question. Like, is this like where I like hype myself up or like hype up the things I'm learning? Like, what do you want? Tell me. Give me, give me like a mini one of each. Okay. Okay. Mini one of each. I am trying to start my own clothing brand called ah, Belly. That is not even yeah. mini. Oh my God. Yes. But I'm so scared because I don't want to disappoint anyone and I want it to be size inclusive and accessible to all people, like luxury loungewear. And I'm like trying so hard to make it happen, but I'm also so terrified because I'm so scared to be a failure, but I'm going to keep trying anyways. Um, And my life thing that I want people to know is just like, people aren't waiting for you to fail, or at least that's what I'm telling myself. Like people are not sitting there waiting for you to fail. And if they are, they literally do not matter. Mm -hmm. And you just gotta live life for you and treat other people kindly. And your happiness should not be like last place. Like, it, and don't wait for happiness. That's the thing I'm trying to do is like not waiting for happiness, but how can I, I you. implement joy into like everyday pieces of your life instead of like, oh, I'm going to work really hard now so that like future me will be happy. Mm-hmm. That's a bummer. I love it. That's so good. Um, I guess that answers my, what do you want everyone to hear? Um, so good I'm also very hyped for this clothing line I will be dming you about it because I I want to hear all the details um but where can our listeners best find or support you that's so sweet um my instagram's always a happening place just my name rafella underscore mancuso it's a long name people get it that's okay I will I'll I'll link it yeah that's pretty much if you just type in rafella like you'll find me anywhere because it's a weird name so (laughs) It's probably me. You'll find me. I get it. Perfect. Well, thank you so, so, so much for joining me today. I appreciate you. um, And I appreciate you taking the time to really break it down with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a lovely time just to like sit and reflect and connect. So thank you. 